4: In
5: three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options.
1: It's amazing how many unintelligent people. They're, they're yeah. What's the matter with these
3: people? <laughs> We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can
5: we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
3: Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
5: Email opinion at 96fm.ie
3: The lines are live Let's
5: kickstart the conversation
3: This is The Opinion Line With PJ Coogan
5: On Cork's 96fm
6: That was an interesting question They threw up on the home economics Exam paper In the last few days. I've been talking about it this morning. I don't have any thoughts on it. This question was to discuss how colour can be used to flatter body size and shape. Came up in the home economics paper. A lot of people not at all happy with the fact that it was there. What are your thoughts? We're coming to that this morning. Tinnitus or tinnitus for tinnitus. General, that's a kind of a ringing or a buzzing or a noise in the ears, and sometimes we all get it after a concert or something. But no, this is a constant thing. Uh, I can't imagine what it must be like. Uh, if if anybody is living with tinnitus and would like to talk to us about it, uh, 8969696. eight ninety six ninety six ninety six, we'll be looking into it a bit later on. What is it? What causes it? Can you cure it? How do you live with it if it is constant in your life? I cannot imagine what it must be like and want to get away for a break in the summer now it is damned expensive to stay in Ireland this year and to go on holiday in Ireland but there's a few deals out there and we found them some of them are good actually and going away out foreign as they say traveling off to the Sun um, you can get some incredible value uh, particularly if you travel later. In the season. Looking at that uh, later on this morning. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text or WhatsApp, or for your voice notes 083 396 96 96, on anything at all that takes your fancy. Also, more tickets for Elton John at Parky Cueve today. And we'll come to that in the fullness of time. We need to start with, uh, we're going to East Cork for our first topic of conversation this morning. But I want to start with a little bit of sad news. You may not have heard it because we've only had it confirmed to us in the last hour or so. And he was a man who was the longest-serving politician, not just in Cork, but in the whole of Ireland. He had served as a councillor for over 54 years. I speak of independent councillor Noel Collins of Middleton. Uh, news has broken this morning of Noel's passing at the age of 86. He's still serving as a councillor at the age of 86. and He was a tremendous charity worker. He would take up the cudgels on behalf of of a constituent, no matter how small the problem. And Noel would take it to the top. And Noel thought nothing of taking a small problem to the very top to get it sorted. But that wasn't the strange thing about uh, Noel Collins. The strange thing about him was, he never had a mobile phone. He never, I don't ever remember him having an email. He never drove. He was never on social media. And yet, and yet, His was the safest seat, I would say, in any county council in Ireland. He's passed away uh, at the age of 86. I cannot ever remember him giving an interview. I have a vague memory of an old tape recorder lugging a tape recorder around as we used to in the old days and maybe getting a few words on tape. But he never did anything like that. He just got on with his job. He was in... But he was a very funny man and a, and a nice man. And I met him many, many times. The late councillor, Noel Collins. Uh, may he rest in peace. But it's uh, in East Cork we start because we've talked about how many times we've talked about this idea that you'd have a, a Kildare village style development in East Cork with all sorts of outlet centres and shops and major brands operating this Kildare Village-style retail centre in, in East Cork. It's hit another hurdle now because the Minister for Local Government has intervened, and not Councillor John O'Sullivan of Fine Gael, not in a way that's helpful in your mind. Good morning.
7: Good morning, PJ.
6: Hello? Yes, he has intervened what yes, has so, happened
7: though? well what he has done is he has taken the direction of the opr the, the office of public planning regulator and he has taken his points on board despite the fact that um on previous occasions Cork county council had taken successful ju- judicial review and the courts had had directed that carcant county council had acted properly and and according to all, all the regulation and we formulated the plan, uh, adopted it. Should have been uh, introduced uh, in, in in effect from last Monday, but the the minister has decided to take take on board the submission of the OPR mm. and asked for it to be put to public consultation again. And as I said in the chamber yesterday, I I think it's a vote of no confidence in the whole chamber of Cork mm-hmm. County Council members. How long, is this,
6: and, how long is this development uh, on the table now, John?
7: This time was uh, two, two and a half, three years. Uh, I mean, at this stage, we, we went for a, a variation of the, of the previous plan originally and the office, the regulator intervened and said it, it, we were wrong on it. And I suppose one of the things that, that he's trying to implement is he's trying to make Cork City and County Councils come up with a giant retail strategy, and that's one of the, the big points he's making. But there, if, we, if we're if we a local authority, with local autonomy, are answerable to the people that, that the members are elected to, surely we can take direction and take, um, shall we say, guidance mm. from the, But. At the end of the day, it should be the, the decision of the members. Yeah. The members made the decision, adopted it, and it should be accepted.
6: To, to simplify for listeners who, I'm sure you'll appreciate, John, wouldn't have much mm-hmm. understanding or care much about section this or subsection that. Like, effectively, what's happened is that this planned €800 million Euro development for East Cork yes. has been approved by the local authority mm-hmm. after going through all the various mm-hmm. hoops and jigs and reels. The yes. local authority has approved it, but now the minister no, no, the, has come back and the, said, "No, the, look again." Is that it?
7: No. What has happened? What has happened is our county council has has put in a section in the development plan that will allow a planning application. The planning application right, is, okay. is, is is not is not submitted yet. Right. And right. but but like the the, re, the reality here is that we have business people and we have people uh, prepared to invest. If we can't act in some time, kind of a timely manner those people will move elsewhere where, where they yeah. will get approval, where, where, where they will develop, and that will be a loss yeah. of income and a loss of attraction to Cork County as a whole. Mm. It's, it's really tying our, our hands behind our back.
6: I spoke at one point on the opinion line to the people behind this proposed development, uh,
7: and they were prepared to
6: wait <laughs> for the slow and arduous planning process to go through, but one also gets the sense that they won't wait forever.
7: No, these people are there to, whether they're, big operations that have shareholder stances or whether they're private investors or whatever, they are eager to develop, to move on and and, and, and to create uh, opportunities and create investment and create return for themselves. And if they can't see it happening here in Cork, they will move elsewhere. They might even move out of the country. They'll go elsewhere in the world. Yeah. Capital and, and expertise is very mobile at this stage. Yeah. And if we, if we can't be seen to attract it, we lose out. And not only that, the reputational damage afterwards to losing the likes yeah. of that You'll be
6: seen as a very difficult place to invest if, if something like this were to go belly up because of, because of a process such as what the Minister wants to go through again. I'll leave it there with you, John, Councillor John O'Sullivan from uh, West Cork. But uh, East Cork and Councillor Anthony Barry, also of Fine Anthony, Anthony, you and I, I think, spoke previously about this d- d- development. Um, is it or is it not ever going to happen? Good morning.
2: Morning PJ, just uh first um, could I uh offer my condolences to the f- uh, friends of Noel Collins yes. as well. I know you mentioned the other the start, Luke, um, Noel represented Caritoul. Um as he reminded me on many, many occasions, um, uh with pride and dignity and, and like the work the Noel did for his constituents um was legendary. So Look, I think it's, we, we should remember uh, guys like that. Don't come on too often. <laughs> they definitely broke the mould when Noel mold has passed away. So we should remember him today. Yeah, PJ, look, uh, if we get back to this, how many times do we need to be talking about this? I mean, it's it, it absolutely daft that here we are again. The Cork County Council are after winning two high, high court cases on this issue. Uh, a tournament coming up before the end of June. And we, we're expected to win that as well. And here we are going down the road again. It's
6: madness. What is going on?
2: Well, fundamentally, I think there's a bigger issue at play here. I, I believe that this is a, a power play and a power grab by the Office of Planning Regulator to actually put himself over the actual minister itself and that office over the minister themselves. And um, I see his concerns that if this is let go unchecked, that our planning regulator is now going to be our, our planning guru for the entire country. And um, if that is the case, what is the point of any local government? We have undermined local government. Um, We probably have the weakest local government system in all of Europe. Mm. And I think this is a further uh, way of undermining it and using this office. And this office was set up, I believe, and probably rightly so. We've seen some issues with other planning authorities um, and offices at the moment and the, the issues they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, we, we need an oversight body for the planning we regime. We, we, nobody will dispute that. However, is an oversight body the same as a body that actually dictates planning law for the entire country? I don't think so. Mm.
6: Mm. I, does it have to give a reason as to why it has a problem?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, they've given the reason in this one that they want the joint retail strategy between um, Cork City and Cork County Council. Um, but my view on that is that if, if at every time there's a dispute between two local authorities, and you will always have conflicting views, but Cork City and County Council have worked very closely. They've just completed a housing strategy. they worked with, on the cast boards. There's many things we work very, very closely on. Mm. This is one that we fail to find agreement on. But mm. if every time that you fail to find agreement that the minister and the Office of Planning Regulator has to interject yeah. Well, one would question what is the point of having local authorities at all you know,
6: Would you be concerned Anthony at this point that the developers and as I said I spoke to a senior executive from the company that wants to do this a number of years ago on the opinion line and they were aware of the fact that, that things move ridiculously slowly in, in planning anyway. They were prepared to, to hang tough for a while but they won't hang tough forever will they?
2: Of course they won't. But I mean, look, they have identified the tool site as being their preferred site in the south of Ireland if they want to build this type of operation. And, you know, you have to respect why they picked that site. These are people that um, I think John touched on there, earlier. They've got investors, capital moves around very, very easily. This is where they want to build the site. And it's perfectly understandable. You've got, um, I don't know how many cruise ships are coming in, uh, to cove this year. I think it's an accessibility. Yeah. Uh, and that will undoubtedly increase again year on year. Um, thank God we're back after COVID. And uh you've got the, the transport links, both the motorway and the rail line there. And you have access to Cog City. So like it's it's fairly obvious that why they want it there. Um there is a lot of arguments that this is not um, sustainably uh, it can't be carried sustainably going forward. However, I would urge anyone, you'll probably go in there yourself, PJ, to, to kill their outlet centre. I guarantee there'll be plenty of Cork and carry registered cars up there today. Yeah.
6: Now, here's something that comes in, and this came in the last time we discussed it, and it's a predictable call, and one I can understand. A caller on the phone says, half Patrick Street is empty. Why can't we build that up before putting stuff out the country? Well,
2: I'm not going to get in, involved in that one too much, right? a retail fair question center, though, Anthony, yeah. isn't it? Well, it is a fair question, but a retail outlet centre will not go into Patrick Street. And people need to realise that. Anyone that understands what a retail outlet centre is about and how they operate worldwide, um, not just in Ireland or the UK, but in the US, and you've probably seen them all over, yeah. um, all over the world as well. They don't operate in, in city centres. That's not their reasoning. And I think you have to look at this in the greater picture, that it doesn't have to... No, but the point I think that's been
6: made by callers like that, and and again, we've had this discussion before, that if you're going to build something out the country like this huge Kildare Village-style outlet, which we all know the success of Kildare Village, it'll be even harder to fill the empty places in Patrick Street. Well, I
2: think you need to start looking at our city centre retail offerings anyway. And, I mean... We have to realize there is a change coming. Now, if you look at Cork City Centre, Cork City Centre, from a retail perspective, not probably from a socialising perspective, but definitely from a retail perspective, mm-hmm. has been suffering for many years now. And there is still no retail out of the centre, nor will there be for the next eight, nine years at best, even if it went through the planning process. What? So, like, the issue, I should be at least, PJ, I mean, we, we can't even get to a planning. Like, this is not. This, 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 what, yeah, what the even, there are? isn't
6: even a plan. I and I guess it's, it's worth mentioning that, Anthony, at that point. There isn't even a plan on the table yet. We're that still is. discussing whether you can put a plan on the flipping table.
2: That is the process and that is the fundamental nobody issue here. This is allowing, or not allowing, more, more importantly, Cork County Council to actually accept a planning application from these developers. So it would have to go through the entire planning process on both and all and everything, before we could even look at this. So it's the fundamental issue here of undermining local government in that this is by a third body not allowing us to even look at a planning application going into this site. And the same thing is happening with the densities in Caratool where, where basically this office is demanding 90 acres of high-density residential development in Tool, of which there is absolutely no demand
6: and not allowing a community yeah, development. develop. And, and, and the local authority feels feels undermined uh, and, I guess, discombobulated by the whole thing. Anthony, thank you. Councillor Anthony Barry of Niguel and before that, Councillor John O'Sullivan, also of oh, There's a thing now, and I didn't know that. And I'm covering this story for a couple of years. Like, we haven't even got a plan. All we've got is an argument about whether they can submit a plan <laughs> this And this is going on with how long? So, it's daft. How long do you think? Yeah, line three, isn't it, Fiona? Yeah, Adam, you wanted to make a point. Good morning to you. Uh, hello. Hiya. Hi. What would you like to Hi. say? Well, look,
8: I suppose just a few points I was talking to to, to your producer on there is that I, I think this new massive development going into a little place like Carrotill is going to be absolutely horrific for Cork County and Cork City. Like, I originally come from Limerick and I've been in Cork for the last 15 years. And in Limerick, you had, like, a lot of shopping centres put in outside the city centres. Outside the city centre. It just killed the whole city centre, the whole vibe. Like, Cork has one of the best cities in Ireland, if not the best city in Ireland, just for life. For 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 just, like, different this, different that, you know? Like, you could be a small little entrepreneurial little business and you can get in there and you can give it a go but like these massive centres they just take any life out of the cities the city dies the county dies you know and mm. I just I think it, I think it's an absolutely ridiculous idea to put it in it's not needed it's just greed pure and utter greed yeah. you know you, these massive corporations coming from all around the globe now are going to put in there you know that's, that's, that's profits that will mm. just be sent outside But, but it's, the also,
6: country. it's also jobs Adam a lot of jobs yeah. I mean look at how many people work in Kildare Village
8: yeah, but those jobs will be there elsewhere. If people want to buy stuff, they're going to buy stuff. Yeah. You know, and look, it's not like Carrick is so far away from the city that these jobs can't, that these people can't make it into the city. What is it, 10 minutes in from Carrick
6: Yeah, but the point that's being made, I think, and has been repeatedly made, is that the kind of outlet that you're looking to develop, out that's not going to come into town full stop.
8: We don't need it. It's not neat, need- I don't think it's necessary. Mm. What you need is, why? So these massive faceless corporations can come in and just hoover up, you know, and just fast fashion and sell whatever tat it is they want to sell. It's not needed. Cork is doing fine. You mm. know, like, look at the tourism well, industry, Street in, Street look at the bar chef. industry.
6: Patrick Street Diga. is empty. Patrick Street is empty.
8: But it is for now, but I mean, the answer is not putting in a massive development like that, I'd like, like within, within, within throwing distance of the city centre.
6: Okay. Okay. You know,
8: I, I just I, I, I strongly disagree with it I think it's going to be a horrific thing for the city The city's going to die If well, the city well, dies, the county dies
6: Well well, it's nowhere near being being real anyway yet Because they can't even get a plan on the table But but you say for- I know,
8: and your man's argument there is so ridiculous You're not going to be able to fit a retail centre into Patrick Street Well of course not, no one is saying that But what we will fit in is a load of different interesting shops Along Patrick Street and along every other street in the yeah. city but, but, but you know? a, That
6: is the, the, the problem Adam and we highlighted this a few weeks ago and you'll remember if you're a regular listener, I'm sure you are, the discussion when the lad Richard Quest came from CNN and he pointed to the, like, the city centre and I took a walk in here in the morning Like Patrick Street is, is a husk it's a shell North Main Street ain't much better
8: Well, I mean, they have their charms. I wouldn't fully subscribe to what he said about Cork City, you know. He was looking at it through very different eyes. He probably came from the likes of Singapore Airport, Dubai, you know. And they're just empty monuments of just capitalism at its worst. And these shopping centers aren't much different.
6: No, but I mean, look look down even where I am this morning. Like, Patrick Street is empty well, the the part I can see from where I am is empty and drab and there's nothing going in there. And whether or not we have... As of yet,
8: yet, there's nothing going in there, but there will be stuff going there. You know, if you can focus on your city, it grows. I mean, the tourists aren't coming over here to go to shopping centres and malls and stuff like that.
9: Mm.
5: They're
8: really not. You know, they're coming to come into a city to find out about the history. Um, And I think Cork is brilliant at blending... It's history and it's historical buildings with new buildings and new developments. Mm. I mean, if you look at what went in there to um, where the Argos used to be, yeah. there's, the, there's, there's some kind of little artistic little hub going in there now. You know, like these are brilliant developments that, that kind of grow the culture in in Cork. And that's vital. I mean, Cork was the city of culture not long ago. Yeah. You know, like really and if you wanted, if you wanted Ghost Town, the best, quickest way to do it is to put in a massive development that just sucks anyone coming into the city out of it,
6: you know? Okay, okay. We'll see what people think. Adam, thank you. Uh, good contribution. Um, so we're nowhere near having this thing built in East Cork if it ever gets built. But Adam's point is we don't need it. We don't want it. In actual fact, we doesn't just he doesn't want to know about it. Build up our city. And one thing you won't do if you put that out the road is build up our city. Um, I don't, what, what do people think? Retail, like, hey, listen, my my wife and my daughter love Kildare Village. Um, I go there with them sometimes under protest because there's nothing, there's no hope pile there for me. I like, you know, gadget shops and bookshops and stuff like that. But it's a massive success, and how would we like the idea of a Kildare Village out the road? wouldn't that be, would that be great? Or would that be an absolute disaster? And I looked down onto Patrick Street again, and I was down there this morning and yesterday morning, that just looking at all the boarded up, graffitied shop fronts, And you'd wonder, if you are going to put something out in East Cork, are you ignoring the elephant in the room? The empty husk of what used to be our... Our beautiful Main Street. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Your thoughts very very welcome. Elton John back with us on Friday, July first. His farewell Yellow Brick Road tour at Park Creeve. Tickets available at Ticketmaster. But I have a pair every day this week. We send you along to see Elton on Friday, July the first. His farewell tour. Yeah, I know we've had previous farewell tours But this is it, this is the farewell tour And one of our daily winners will be upgraded We'll send you off to Sober Lane Cork's lively gastro pub at the heart of the city For a pre-concert meal for two It's the title of the song What's the right title of the song? Okay Today, is it Candle in the Breeze Or Candle in the Wind? Candle in the Breeze or candle in the wind? Which is it? I know, if you can't get that one right, should you be allowed into a John concert, but you know yourself. Is it candle in the breeze, or candle in the wind? The, the correct answer, and your name, please. 083-396-9696. Oldies
5: and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio.
9: Big, big, big show, show, show radio, radio,
5: radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. 10am to 2pm. With Hidden Hearing. Tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. HiddenHearing.ie. Cork's
6: 96FM. If anybody was out at CUH in the last 24 hours or so trying to get into the emergency department there, we got this message. Uh, here at CUH... This came in last night. Uh, we, here at CUH at 9.20pm. The queue is outside the door. People are sitting on the floor standing or sitting on the steps. There's an old man sitting on a chair wrapped in a blanket. He's been here for over nine hours. What is going on? Yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Now, it was Stephanie Preisner who drew this to attention when she tweeted about it, but it, it's kind of gained legs since. The, the Leaving Cert Home Economics paper had a question on it discuss how colour can be used to flatter body size and shape now Stephanie was put out about that and a lot of people have been that you would ask such a question or invite such a discussion on a Leaving Cert Home Economics paper at a time when we're we're trying to modernise the way we think and talk about body issues and shape and all of that Mary Jane, what did you think? Good morning.
10: Hi, Peter. How are you? Good morning. Um, I was actually really, really um, shocked and so disappointed that in 2022, we still have this rhetoric that body types should be um, flattered. Like it's, it's a type of internalized fat phobia, which I had for years. And for years when I was going out, I would only wear black. And it was a joke between myself and Michelle. She was like, you know, she used to say to me, you're like a one going to a funeral or whatever. But it was because, you know, I I thought that the way to flatter myself um was to wear black and it's very, it's a kind of a, a, a it was almost a, a kind of a thing in the 90s and every generation has its problems with body image and body type. And I suppose now we're being shown all these um, curated images on Instagram and stuff like that, where people are filtering and shaping mm-hmm. um, their bodies into kind of weird types of contortions and stuff like that. But I mean, to be asking, you know, 16 to 18 year old um young adults and, and children really, I suppose, or, or teenagers, um, you know, how to flatter their body shape in a state exam paper is mm. actually frightening.
6: At a time, it's I guess, when they are, if I remember, you know, they, they are at the most sensitive time in their entire lives with regard to body shape.
10: Absolutely, and look, if somebody 's grown up in a house um and and I know this myself um i I went to a very small primary school um in my locality, and then I went to a very big secondary school, and that was the biggest culture shock ever for me because I had been kept in my own little bubble with my own little friends in the area and stuff like that, and then I went into this big secondary school where you know you don 't know how other people live their lives or you know I used to be fascinated by things you know silly things like, you know, what people used to bring for their lunch. I used to be like, oh my God, that's so fascinating, you know. And now, like when you look at kids that are, you know, uh, like in in an age where there's the internet and everything else, like you don't know how how a child has been brought up, you know. You don't know that a child hasn't been brought up in an environment where colour is a big thing or they mightn't understand, you know. Mm. Like the fact that this was on the question, a question on the Leaving Cert paper makes me actually think that it was maybe it's in the curriculum, which is even more worrying, I think. Mm. Like a home economics paper. I don't know whether it was junior or leaving cert, but like it's a, yeah, leaving cert. Like it's a, it's a mega, mega problem. If, if this is what we're doing, if we're teaching kids how to flatter and look, I, like I said, I would have been always, you know, wearing a size up before and trying to hide my boobs or trying to hide my bum or, you know, and it's only, my as an like as you know an adult in my late 20s 30s and now my 40s that i'm discovering that it's okay to to not cover your body now nobody is expecting people to be crude or anything like that that's not not the issue but there's no way that you should be saying that if like for example what you're telling a, a, a 16 or a 17 year old child there is that if it's beating heat outside which were were due to have good weather this weekend that you can't wear shorts and you can't um wear a t-shirt um but but it has to be something like leggings and a long a long top um in this weather and it has to be black that's what you're telling them yeah. i mean that is so damaging but i remember i have psoriasis Bj, you know and um i remember um going to a dermatologist years and years and years ago when i was very young and him telling me well, you need to just get out in the sun and wear shorts and T-shirts. And I was like, but I can't because I can't wear shorts. Look at the size of me. And, I, you know, geez, I was a good four or four, five stone lighter then. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's it's such an impressionable age and my heart bleeds when I see it.
5: Yeah,
10: It's so, so bad. And it's so damaging, Um, to, you know. And, it, like, we, our generation, PJ, would have grown up with the, you know, Keep, keep it covered, keep yourself covered. And I would have even had that opinion. But like, God above, is this what we're teaching, like young, impressionable people? And it's so hard in the world as it is for them. Yeah. You know, they're going into such a, a more difficult world than we are. You know, we went through recessions and we went through different things, but like social media, pressure, it's, you know, and in some ways the freedom of expression that we have now is amazing and that's brilliant and that's a really positive thing. But on the other side of it, you, you're there's a whole. It's like it's like we've blown a crater into um, society with social media for people to be mocked and ridiculed.
6: Yeah, and on the one hand, we're saying, Do you know what, wear what you like, and be yeah. happy in your own skin. And on the other side, we're saying, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. And it's I guess absolutely. you're stu- stuck in the middle and being pressured. I mean, I, I met nature. I just couldn't give it. A- Sugar anymore you know yeah. the, the, the shorts go on Same. in May and don't come off till September and I don't give a damn what anybody thinks but when you're younger uh, and you are conscious and if someone says to you you're too you're too fat for shorts you'll yeah. never wear them again
10: never never like and 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 that's the thing i re- you know and it's look you know it, it's it's a totally different situation you know being at home in a family situation where your mother might say to you look um, you know, like you have to, you know, do this or you have to do that. Um, but having it on, on a state paper, you mm. know, where or or having people tell you externally outside of your family, you know, like, you, geez, my mother, you know, you're not going to wear that short skirt or whatever, you know, when you were going to a disco or whatever. Uh. That's a different thing. But now it's like it, it's a it's a completely like when you're when you're telling young, impressionable kids, you know, that you have to flatter your body shape. That's telling them that it's not acceptable for something to to not look good to what to what somebody else's perception of good looks like. That's my whole point. If you feel good in your shorts, PJ, from May to September and they're comfortable, wear them, you know, like. Even this kind of whole concept, I think, you know, is is coming to a fore now with them. Um, I saw somebody else there tweeting that they were going to a conference and somebody said that jeans and runners weren't allowed to be worn on the night. I mean, I don't know anybody that's in a tech conference that wouldn't, uh, that would pack anything other than jeans and runners, you know? Any of my techie friends would be, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'd be into the jeans. No, but, so it's, it's yeah
6: outdated. The other thing, what I thought about it was, I saw that the whole thing was in, You know, we we will we'll have time enough in in our adult lives to, to worry and fret about these things, and then time enough to discover that they actually don't matter at all. Rather than yes. putting it into young minds at the age of sixteen and seventeen that this is actually important when it isn't.
10: It isn't important. But like, if you think about how how you as a child or as a young adult you used to catastrophize things, you know if you thought that somebody wasn't talking to you or whatever. So if you thought, oh, my God, you know, I'm going out and I'm wearing this flowery dress, or I'm going out and I'm wearing these shorts. And you thought, oh, my God, like, you know, that you were looking great. And then you're going in to sit, sit what you think at the time is the most important exam of your life, one of the most important exams of your life. And then there's somebody asking you from the state. I mean, it, questions need to be asked who actually signed off that question yeah. in the Leaving Search.
0: That in is, in it, the year
10: 2022. that, that would amazing. If you'd have said that was a question from 1964, I would have believed you. I actually was like, I thought at first it was a joke. I thought it was a Waterford yeah. whisperer.
6: I, I wonder if we came up with a, an essay title in, in the English Leaving Cert, A Woman's Places in the Home Discuss. Yeah. There'd have been an uproar.
10: Uproar absolute uproar and you know a lot of people um and a lot of these kind of shock jock journalists more so now in the UK Irish journalists I think are a little bit different but a lot of these shock jock um ones in the UK you know they go um into like um say pennies or they might go into hm and they th- there was one in particular now um recently and she went in and she took a photograph of a plus size mannequin and was like why are we um showing this um this is not flat if kind of flashing I remember and that stuff. Story, anyway, yeah. she she got yeah, she got absolutely trounced on social media for it and rightly so, because you know what? There's loads of different children that have, you know, hormonal problems or whatever, or that are just you know, that kind of puppy fat stage that you're not quite there, you know, you're not mm. quite you're not quite grown up or whatever. And that's like there's loads of kids and if they're not seeing people that look like themselves um, in the media, I think like Liz always the, has been the greatest thing for mm-hmm. um, plus-size women because yeah. she just doesn't care.
6: No. She doesn't care and she's brilliant with it. You know? Which which adds to it. She's brilliant. She's exactly. brilliant with it. Mary Jane, gonna leave it there because if we if we talk okay. any longer, you and I we're going to be ordering gin and tonic. So so let's
9: <laughs> talk to you soon. Thank you. Cheers, Mary Jane. Have a, bye. You too. Have
6: a good day. Uh oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, that I just saw that question come up and I thought, really? It's it's twenty twenty two? We've time enough to be worrying about this when we realise it doesn't act. Na- no, look. You know, when you're going out to something and, and you're going to visit somebody or you're going to an event or a function or whatever you go to, you know, you, you will throw a look in the mirror and go, am I all right in this? Or definitely if I'm going out, we're going out for an evening, anything other than just a, a point, I'll say to herself, um, am I all right here? Do you know? Uh, and will we'll, we'll, we'll this do kind of thing? But that's different. That's that, and she'll say, no, no, change them, whatever. That's different. But asking 16 and 17 year olds how to flatter body size and shape is a bit old hat one would think 0818 96 96 96.
3: The Cork Diary on Cork's 96 FM
5: The Cork Diary is a free service so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it Email the details to
3: Cork Diary at 96 FM dot IE 96 FM
6: Yeah, talking a lot about East Cork this morning, and some of your uh, comments coming in with regard to the proposed um, development of a retail centre, which not, is not going to happen, like it's not going to happen for at least at least for, <coughs> for five or six years. So don't be worried about it happening tomorrow. But a lot of your stuff coming in, I'll get to it in a while. But the one thing that is going to happen in East Cork, uh, in the short to medium term, is a much better train service much more comprehensive railway service into and out of East Cork Jane Cregan is with Irish Rail Jane, good morning
11: Morning Peter, how are you?
6: Good, you've announced uh, major changes uh, for the better in the services
11: uh, yeah, so um, we've good news for commuters in East Cork um, uh, from the 18th of July next. Um, we'll be doubling off peak capacity um, uh, between Cove and Middleton and Cork. So it'll go from a 60 minute frequency to a 30 minute frequency. Mm. And that's even better news for people in Lanthorn and Little Island because they'll go to a 15 minute frequency. That's between 6.45 in the morning and 19.45 in the evening.
6: Now you'll obviously have to make some changes to lines and signals to to sort that out so there will be a closure before it happens, Yes, yeah,
11: so we'll have a closure between the second and seventeenth of July um, on Cove and Middleton. Uh, we will have bus transfers in operation on an hourly um, and an hourly timetable during that time. But all of our customers in the East Cork area, we would recommend that you would check Irishrail.ie to see all the details of the works that are happening there and the times that the buses will be leaving, etc.
6: Mm. Now, the enhanced services will be what from six forty-five a.m. until course eight nice.
11: Yeah so at we would pro, in at peak times we would have a 30 minute frequency anyway but this is off peak. So off-peak now, all day long, there will be a 30-minute frequency on both of those routes. Um, So I suppose this is a response from demand from customers, Mm. that people want more frequent services. Obviously, we're conscious of the climate action um, uh, policy um, that the government is championing at the moment, that we need to um, reduce our reliance on the private car. So I think this will give people a really good alternative, particularly off-peak, if they want to travel into the city or indeed if they want to travel Mm. out to Cover Middleton, from the city, they can do that and they, they, they can be confident that they won't have that long a wait um, for a service.
6: Now, one disadvantage that, that I hear raised from time to time by colleagues and friends who, who live in that part of the world is if they come into town for a, a show or, or dinner or a theatre or something, there's no later train. Any plans for later trains?
5: So it's something that we're exploring
11: with the National Transport Authority at the moment um, at providing later services on that route. Um, we're currently looking at the logistics um, of what that would involve and ultimately that would be a decision for the National Transport Authority and they would in turn have to be funded um, by the government to run this. But it's definitely something that we are looking at. No. Um, obviously, the nighttime econ- economy is something that really suffered during the pandemic and now that people are back out and about again, we do see greater demand. Um, but it will just all depend on... Um, um, if we can do it logistically yeah. um, with resources that we currently have. And just and for, NCAA, for, for listeners'
6: benefit, Jane, you don't need to go into any anything too technical, but when mm. you and Irish Rail realise... That there's a case to be made, or you believe there's a case to be made for, let's say, for example, for example, an eleven o'clock or quarter past eleven train from the city to mm. facilitate theatre goers, and like, mm. you then make that case to to the to the NTA. How does that process work? Uh,
11: so there's an approval process that we would go through. We would show um, what resources we would need to operate that service, and they in turn, then because obviously we work on a contract basis for the NTA. Um, so um, for each service that we run, that that forms part of our our public service obligation contract. Um, so there's a financial um, issue at play there as well that there would have to be extra funding if we were to provide extra services. So our contract that's negotiated is for a certain amount of services. If we provide more services, then the more money will have to be provided for us to run those services. I
6: see. I see. So so it's being looked at, but not in the immediate future, but a major change in services, major enhancement of services to East Cork from the middle of July. Jane Creek of Mount Rail, thank you very much for hearing this on the opinion line. So the doubling the number of daytime off-peak trains on both Cork Middleton and Cork Cove. Uh, it'll mean Little Island and downtown have 15-minute frequency every day, but they'll be closed then. The lines between the second and seventeenth July to allow for the development or whatever needs to be done to plan for that. But late that, I often talk to people who come up from that part of town, that part of the county. You know, lovely to get in to a show or get into town for a meal or a movie or whatever. But they say, hang on a second, now the show's over, the show's over. Say, say someone coming to the marquee, okay, at the moment. So the marquee's over at, whatever, ten, five, ten past ten most nights. Um, and it's a 20 minute walk or 15, 20 minute walk into town. Now for me, if I go down to see, for example, the Pet Shop Boys next week, or Daryl or, or Bree or any one of those gigs, I'll wander up to town. I might have a pint on the way up, and I will get a bus out of the mall at Eleven o'clock, ten past eleven, whatever, whatever. But I want to go to Cove. I can't get a train at that hour of the night. I think a lot of people would use that train if it were provided. eight oh, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on um, the wearing black and whether it flatters or doesn't, and whether the question should be on the leave insert or it shouldn't. What if that information helps kids that are body conscious and makes them feel better about themselves by wearing black? Kevin says, we know it's not important, but it's already in the minds of teens, even pre-teens, so ignoring it isn't helpful either. There's better ways to deal with it, though. And by saying discuss it, you can do it while challenging the question itself, which is a fair point. More importantly, I'd love to know, says this one, this message, more importantly, I'd love to know how the answers are going to be graded. Is there a right answer? Is it a trick question? As the correct answer is that such color does not exist. Dopes! The color black, by the way, does not make you appear any slimmer. Thank you.
3: The lines are live. And
5: we're ready to talk. Can we just talk?
3: Call 0818 969696.
5: Text or WhatsApp 083 96 96. Email opinion at 96fn.ie.
3: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
5: On Cork's 96 FM.
6: Helen, you'll be on with me there in just under a minute, talking about the trains. Just a quick mention to all of my many friends and colleagues of past and present and possibly future at The Echo, uh, who celebrate today 130 years as a voice for Cork. That's their front page headline. They've got a brilliant Supplement marking the anniversary. Loads and loads of fabulous pictures from the Echo over the many, many decades. 130 years old today. First came out uh, June 14th, 130 years ago, when it was an evening paper. And it was a broadsheet. And it was deco, always deco so congratulations to everybody involved and the editorial team who put together that supplement today which is magnificent well done to all 0818 96 96, 96. now talking about the trains and the services to East Cork and Jane Cregan from Irish Rail, was with me before 10, explaining how they're enhancing the services from the middle of July, which is great. And I raised the point with her about maybe getting more nighttime services to allow people come to town and enjoy the nighttime economy and then get back home to East Cork on the train. Helen, good morning. Morning, Peter. What would you like to say?
12: Well, it's just that I agree with everything you said about the leisure trains. On Saturday night, my son and my friend went to Cork for a sh- meal and a show. Mm-hmm. Joe finished at ten past ten. Last train to Middleton quarter past ten.
6: Yeah,
12: no way we'd make it. Then we had to go to the bus station, wait till eleven o'clock for a bus. We were sitting in there. Now the staff were lovely, but at quarter to eleven, we were asked to leave and wait outside. Now, if it was raining, that wouldn't have been very suitable. But apart from that, there was a couple came along and they wanted to pay on the bus, but they had no cash, and the bus didn't have a card. So, the, the office was closed. They couldn't wait to pay for their ticket. Mm-hmm. Now, the bus driver did leave them on. Yeah. But, you know, it was just, they had to have people wait at the end to pay for them. Like, if they can't facilitate late, late times, they should have the facilities to take cards as well.
6: Yeah. A, a leap
12: card now, or a... No, a cash a fees oh. card. Okay. Right. Yeah, they had no facilities to pay. And, you know, it's just not on, like. Yeah. And as, as there was a leisure train, or if like, they actually got off in like they could have went for that leisure train and got their c- ticket at the station yeah. and been on the train.
6: Yeah. yeah, and in your own case, you got back, you had to get the, what, the, 11, the 11 o'clock bus to Yall, was it?
12: Yeah, I got home for quarter past 12. Right. Yeah, because it was all around the country, which is fine. Because I was going to y'all, and the bus travelled into every village on the way down. So I left my show at 10 past 10 and I didn't get home till nearly quarter past 12.
6: Yeah.
12: A 40 minute journey.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And if there had been an 11 o'clock or a quarter past 11 train, yeah. I mean,
12: yeah. the last
6: bus out it's of 11. town on most routes is 11 or half past.
12: Yeah. yeah, too early. Too early. And especially for the likes of us in East Cork, if we want to go out, if we don't want to drive, we have The train is fantastic service.
6: Yeah, but the last train should be twelve o'clock at least. At least. Yeah. All right. Well, you saw. You heard me asking Jane Cregan. They have to make the case to the National Transport Authority, and the National Transport Authority didn't have to license them to do it. So it ain't going to happen anytime soon. But at least (laughs) we're making the case. Thanks very much, Helen. Appreciate your call to the opinion line. It's just a thing. the tra- the more trains we have, the better. And I still come back to, I still come back to the idea that it was a stupid, stupid, stupid decision to replace the Yall train. I mean, they closed it down when they closed it down, and in developing train travel to East Cork, it seemed like a total no-brainer to get it up and going again. And yet, regardless of cost, you got to spend to make. Uh, we won't have a train to Yall now any time sooner, I'd say ever, because of this damn greenway they put in. I mean, who wants to flipping cycle to work in town when you live in Yall? Do you know? Anyway, don't, 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 Pete! Don't, don't get yourself in trouble. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Lots more stuff. Uh, can you ask the Irish Rail? Will they add later services and security? I love the train. But it is getting rough. And we did go back to Jane Cregan on that, and she said we work very closely with the guards and our private security operators to ensure the safety of all customers. If we were to run later services, additional security would be a consideration. Well done, Peter, for bringing up the matter of later trains. If you get to, is it, it, then, if you get to Cove after six, it's practically impossible to get a cab in the town, says Jimmy. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on getting you another, a later train, right? I'm, I'm working on that. I'm short of going down and picking you up and taking you home myself. I don't know what I'll do about that that, that bit of it. But thanks for the message. 0818 96, 96 96 Now, tinnitus, ringing in the ears, that buzzing sound that you and I get maybe after being at a gig or being out, you know, loud music or stuff like that. Imagine living with it all the time. That'd drive you crazy, I think. And Terence Ray is a social worker with the Cork Deaf Association and he's a key member of their tinnitus support team. Terence, good morning.
13: Good morning, PJ. How are you getting man?
6: Good. Can you tell me first and foremost, what is the difference between the kind of ringing in my ears I get after going to see a gig at the marquee and tinnitus?
13: Um, there, surprisingly, there isn't that much of a difference. Um, the ringing in your ears after a gig pretty much is tinnitus it's just that quite often it goes away thankfully that it's only after a loud noise or in or gig or something like that you hear it and then it goes away pretty quickly whereas people who have tinnitus constantly they have it for for no real reason other than it's it's a constant in their life 24 7. some people are 24 7. some people only have it in the mornings or evenings uh, some people just get it randomly t- throughout the day. So it, it, it affects people differently. It's, it's very individual. Do we know what causes it? There's, there's a number of causes for it. Um, so it's, it's quite a broad issue. Um, the vast majority of people that I meet with tinnitus, it's due to some form of hearing loss. Now, quite often that hearing loss can be so mild, the person doesn't even realize they have it until they have a hearing test. Um, but in some in some certain circumstances, it can be linked to a medical issue or an illness. So if somebody contacts us around their tinnitus, the first thing we ask them to do is always contact their GP just to get it checked out. Now, mm-hmm. it's very rare that it, it is actually linked to anything serious, but it's always worth checking out.
6: At what point, I'm sure we all get a bit of noise in the ears from time to time, but at what point should we do something about it? At what point is too long? You know
13: what I mean? Yeah, um, I suppose we always, like I said, now we always advise people if if you suddenly notice tinnitus or if it's something that's that's an issue for you, get to the GP, get them check, get it checked out. The GP might send you for a scan just to make sure there's nothing uh, going on in the ear. And like I said, the vast vast majority of times. There is nothing else linked to it except maybe a mild hearing loss or, yeah. or something else like that. Yeah, yeah, it could be a, a, a hushing sound
6: or, or yeah. a sound like an echoing bell or something. Not just not yeah, just yeah. the ringing in the ears. <coughs>
13: Excuse no. me, it can take just, many. Just around the hushing. Yeah. just around the whooshing sound there is a, a type of tinnitus called pulsatile tinnitus and in that in that uh, scenario you can almost hear your blood flowing through your ears. Yeah. And quite often that can be something that needs to be checked out. It could be um, something going on with the veins in your head or it could be a, heart pr- a blood pressure issue or something like that yeah. so it's always worth getting checked. I,
6: I was watching yeah. a program actually recently that mm-hmm. I'd like to look at. It's one of these hospital-based programs but a person came in with ringing in their ears or whooshing sound collected hear the blood in the ears turned out they had a very rare heart yeah. condition which i looked i looked yeah. it up and yeah that's actually true. so yeah so you just if, if, if it goes on for too long and it's unusual go check with your, with your doctor can it for be sure. cured yeah.
13: um, i suppose we the service we deliver we never talk about cure um, if there is a cure it's going to be on the nine o'clock news it's going to be front page because it's it, tinnitus is so common around the world that if there is ever a cure for tinnitus it, it will be big news what we talk about is management so what we try to do is is move people from suffering from tinnitus to just having tinnitus because nearly everyone has tinnitus at some stage in their lives like you said if you come out from a concert you have ringing in your ears and you you know you may, maybe mention it to a friend or whatnot, but it's gone before you think about it again so what we try to do is help people learn how to habituate to it and how to manage it to, so that they don't suffer from it anymore so it's just a background noise that's going on in in their life that they might hear now and again
6: yeah and what do people do to manage it like i don't know whether it is is it is it neurological is there medication one can take what
13: what's there yeah I, i suppose the most recent research shows that where there's no where it's where it's not linked to anything organic where it's not where it's not linked to an illness or anything like that something like mindfulness now mindfulness is a new word for a very old thing but that kind of approach is the most successful approach to, to dealing with your tinnitus um, and that, that basically encourages habituation. So you were talking about trains there earlier on. So can you imagine if if you rented a new apartment in town right beside the train station, for the first few days, you'd be driven batty by the sounds of taxis and buses and trains coming in and out, and you wouldn't get a wink of sleep. But after a few days and after a few weeks, you, you just get used to it, and it goes into the background until, you know, maybe someday you have a friend over, and they say, jeez, how would you get on with the noise? And you go, God, I haven't heard that in a long time. So that's that's habituation, and that's how we manage our lives. Okay. Our brain tells so the, us what's an important sound.
6: The, 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 in the brain if you if you like the brain becomes used to this constant presence and almost filters
13: it out if you're lucky exactly Exactly. So it's it's like being a tourist in a, in a beautiful city. You know, all you're doing is looking at everything and you're taking in all the sounds and smells. Whereas if you live there after a few days, it just becomes normal. And that's exactly how we live our lives. That's how we don't get overstimulated in our world is we have a filter in our brain. Our brain tells us which sounds are important and which aren't. So normally people who suffer from tinnitus, their brain is, is telling them that this sound is important and it causes a stress response. So with habituation, what we try to do is is flip that switch. So the brain learns, okay, that sound is there, but it's not important. So you you move from suffering from tinnitus to just having tinnitus. Just having
6: tinnitus. Now, if someone yeah. is has just been diagnosed or is or is dealing with it, can they? Call, I mean, you're with the Cork Deaf Association. Yeah, I take it,
13: Terence, yeah. you don't have to be deaf to be helped by your organisation. Not at all. No, we we work with any kind of hearing issue. A lot of our a lot of people that use our service are hard of hearing. They might be new to hearing aids. Uh, they might have tinnitus. Um, we also work with newly diagnosed children, um, deaf adults, people who are hard of hearing with cochlear implants. Anything at all. Um, our services are open. We're we're very open to yeah. self-referrals. Yeah.
6: I was talking to someone during Radiothon that mentioned that they mm-hmm. got tinnitus after 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 treatment, but then it went away. That's weird.
13: Yeah, again, the ears are so sensitive to to our environment. I mean, you as a broadcaster, you understand the the importance of, of sound, of yeah. hearing. Yeah. Um like there's a big difference between radio and silent movies. So in radio you're listening to a reality and you're making it up what's going on in your head. In silent movies, you see what's happening, but there's no sound. Like radio is hugely uh, popular around the world, but silent movies drifted away as soon as sound was brought on. So we're, we're very tuned to sound. It's very important to us. And like you can imagine if you're at home, there's a big difference between a creaky floorboard at two o'clock in the afternoon and two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So sound is very important to us. So any bit of tinnitus at all, and quite often we'll tune into it and we'll become very aware of it very quickly. So again, what we try to do here in the CDA is, is encourage habituation around their tinnitus to, yeah. so that you can kind of deprioritize that sound and you don't have the stress reaction around it so like that person that, that you spoke to on the radiothon who got after treatment sometimes you know changes in the body can cause different reactions but if there's a reaction in your hearing and in, in your ability to hear you'll pick up on it quite quickly
6: I got you. all right listen uh continue to success with the work you do at the cork deaf association that's terence ray he's a social worker on their tinnitus support team if you have been diagnosed or if you deal with tinnitus or live with it um, or are trying to come to terms with it or have had it start recently wondering what the hell it is uh, check out with your doctor first I guess but then you can look up the Cork Deaf Association and they will help you and as Terence said you don't have to actually be deaf to get the help of the Park Deaf Association. Uh, the Fuss people, the FUSS March people looking for a better deal for children with disabilities, they have a protest tomorrow, uh, Wednesday at half four. And the reason they're doing it is the Tishuk is attending a meeting at the City Hall, and they want to hand him a letter outlining the plight of children in his constituency. Now his office have been saying they can't he can't meet them in Cork can't meet Fuss and have told us to try meet him in Dublin. But asking a bunch of parents and carers for children with disabilities to spend what it costs to get to Dublin is frankly an insult. So tomorrow, with the Taoiseach intending to uh, attend a meeting at uh, City Hall, they're going to go there at 4.30 uh, to hopefully hand in a letter of protest. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, if you want to contact the Cork Deaf association, you can contact email them to mail at CorkDeaf.ie mail at CorkDeaf.ie Can we just
5: talk
3: the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 0818 96, 96, 96. On Courts, 96
6: FM. Right, chance to go see Elton John on us, on the house, on the 1st of July at Parquet Quives, The Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour. Tickets available at ticketmaster.ie, but I can give them to you for free today. A pair of tickets every day this week. And on Friday, then, we'll take one of our daily winners and we will upgrade you. To pre-concert meal for two at Sober Lane, Cork's lively gastro pub at the heart of the city. It's get me the right name of the song. (laughs) To be quite honest, if you can't get these right, then you probably shouldn't be let in to an Elton John concert. But that is as it may be. So, which is it today? Is it a candle in the breeze or b candle in the wind? What is the correct title of the song? Candle in the breeze or candle in the wind? Send me the correct one and your name, please. 083-396-96-96. We will draw a winner at the end. Uh, I don't know how far into we now are we into the leaving search. Today is the what of June. It's the 14th of June. 14th of June. So we're about a week and a bit into it now. We're just coming up to the week into it uh, tomorrow. And uh, we've said before on the programme that Having a Leaving Cert student in the house, well, the whole family is really sitting that Leaving Cert. Everyone in the household has a role to play in getting the student through the exams. And when you get a week into it, it can begin to get a bit tense and stressful. Fiona O'Malley is the CEO of Turn To Me. Fiona, good morning.
14: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
6: Delighted. It is really kind of everyone's exam in the house isn't it the whole family is doing the exam the 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 student is going in and writing the stuff down but the whole family is doing the exam
14: yeah absolutely and sometimes siblings and parents say they wish they could do the exam themselves because they feel so stressed for the person doing it so yeah I, I think everyone certainly feels the tension and everyone is 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 stressed at very similar levels for sure
6: Mm. So what, a week into it now, and hopefully most people should be done by this time next week. What, what advice would you have for families going through this right now?
14: So Turn To Me um, is National Mental Health Charity, and we have published seven tips on our website for students who are sitting the exam. And those tips are developing academic skills, exam preparation skills, a list of things to avoid, controlling your anxiety on the day, keeping things in perspective, sleeping well, and seeking help if you need it. So when I say developing academic skills, that will prepare students to cope with the demands of their subjects and it will make revision easier pacing the work throughout the year. The academic year will help you stay on top of your notes, readings, and then the revision will will reduce the pressure of exams. So hopefully most students have already done that. Yeah. Then the exam preparation skills, if you've done the work you need to, you can feel confident on the day that you're in a good position to perform well. Um, and then try to stay positive and think of the exams as an opportunity to show what you've learned rather than a scrutiny of your abilities And it's also important to remember to answer the question you're asked rather than to dump everything you know about the subject on on the page. I was the devil for just dumping all the information I knew in my head. Um, Things to avoid. Um, Avoid your phone an hour before you go to bed as the blue light can disrupt your sleep. Keep your phone the other side of your bedroom and keep it on flight mode when you're asleep so you don't um, wake up every time you have a notification. Avoid alcohol, drugs, cigarettes. Um, Avoid unhealthy food because they can cause energy peaks and slumps and avoid procrastinating. Now, I know it's normal to want to avoid stress and engage in things that bring you pleasure, but procrastinating will exacerbate exam stress because it will leave you feeling less prepared on the day. So create a timetable for the subjects that you're revising for and make the most of the time you have left to do last minute revision. uh, Controlling your anxiety on the day. Use deep breathing techniques if you're panicking during the exam. So remind yourself that you have prepared for this moment. And if your anxiety is increasing, just put your pen down, close your eyes, breathe in deeply for five seconds and exhale slowly for five seconds and repeat this until you feel calmer and then pick up your pen and start again.
6: How important is it to eat and sleep well?
14: It's so important to eat and sleep well because if you are... uh, not eating correctly and not sleeping correctly it'll perform uh, impact your performance on the day we all need sleep to function properly ideally eight hours and it's important to avoid caffeine before you sleep because caffeine can disrupt your sleep up to six hours after you drink it so try to avoid uh, coffee after 2pm or 3pm for a better sleep uh, lavender drops on your pillow can help you relax and mindfulness or yoga, deep breathing and stretching before bed can help you sleep um, and then chamomile tea can help you sleep as well um, and then finally um, if students are feeling overwhelmed by the stress during exam season they can sign up for our, the free Exam stress support group, which is run by Turn to Me, run by a professional.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound Pound for those who qualify.
14: A mental health professional um, on Thursdays at 6pm and students and parents can both sign up for this so they can go to the Turn To Me website which is turndigit2me.ie and they can create a free account and then simply sign up for this uh, free support group very very uh, simple process so that support is there as well for people yeah. who need that too.
6: Any students are presumably out this morning doing an exam. What One I wouldn't Mm. know, but uh, off the top of my head. But for parents uh, and siblings who might be listening and, you know, little little Johnny or Mary or Robert are outside and they're doing the exam now. So when they come in, I would have Mm -hmm. thought the most important thing is don't do the post-mortem.
14: Yeah, absolutely. It's so tempting, isn't it? And I know I used to do it. You know, all my, you know, myself, all the time when I was in college or when I was in the leading search. But there's no point because it's done, and you'll just stress yourself out unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Um. So I suppose the the most important thing is to try to just focus on the next one and kind of put the other ones to to one side in your mind and focus on you know the work that you have left to do and the subjects that you have left to do rather than kind of looking back, even though it's it's difficult yeah. not to do it sometimes, you know, especially when you're in a group of people and they start talking about it and then you panic and you think, oh, that's not what I wrote down or, oh, I didn't, you know, you write that fact in. So I suppose... It's difficult as well to fully remember what you did right after exams. Yes. So maybe your recollection isn't totally accurate. So either way, it's it's kind of futile and it's it's pointless. So I would try to avoid post mortem. You're absolutely right.
6: All right. Okay, Fiona. Thank you very much, Fiona O'Malley from Turn to Me, the Chippie Mental Health Charity. It's a tough old time, but please avoid that. How'd you get on? What came up? No. It, it doesn't help It doesn't You might want to think you're helping But you're not helping Stop 0818 96 96, 96. Yeah we've Irish paper 2 This morning uh, From 9.30 to 10 to 12 In the ordinary level And 9.30 to twelve thirty five In higher level And this afternoon Biology From 2 to 5 Thanks for that on tinnitus, Mick was on from Ballet Han. Hi, hey, Mick. A, a friend of mine was having bad problems and he was told by one of those optician places he needed a hearing aid. Now, that can't help tinnitus, but he, he wasn't sure about this and he got his ears syringed. Asked the doctor, syringe his ears. 70 quid. And it worked. So it did. And syringing does work. We're we, we told from time to time syringing can work uh, if your tinnitus is not serious or whatever, it can work uh, Stringing out your ears can actually work which is great uh, I've had it for years my doctor recommended soft music at night when going to bed to help me sleep uh, I have several noises in my ears several different kinds of noise but I found the soft music at night really help because it masks the noise gotcha staying with the railways Tony says, we're still suffering from the closure of the Yall train line. A lot of people think this was just about city holidaymakers getting a bit of sun on a good day. But it served three or four other towns on the line. And not only did they lose their service, but it affected their development too. And and yeah, at the time, Tony, I remember, I'm I'm old enough to remember them closing it down. But I, I often thought like Yall is a town that is growing and developing. And as a commuter town, at the end of a, a railway line, it's, it's a no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer to put the railway down to y'all. And I often wonder why they didn't it. But then look, it comes from the same sort of brains trust uh, as decided a long time ago that we should rip up all the wonderful railway lines in West Cork. Let's not go there. 0818 96, 96, 96
3: Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to
5: nightlife
3: on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. Indie 22 has brought a fantastic addition to an already incredible lineup set for Cork this summer with the two Johnnies and the Junior B All Stars. They join headliners Fatboy Slim, Rudimental, and Bastille for the return of Indie to Mitchell Sound from July 29th to 31st. Access all areas. Following a successful the run of shows in 2019, Cork Rocks returns to Cork Racecourse Mallow this summer, which has announced Hot House Flowers as their Cork Rocks headliner for this year's event. It takes place at the Racecourse on Friday, July 8th. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any gigs by emailing us on AAA at 96fm.ie Access all areas
5: with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer
6: on Cork's 96 FM. Very busy with your comments on East Cork and the proposed uh, uh, retail outlet that will or will not happen sometime in the next 10 years if it happens at all. Uh, quite a number of, of comments coming in and, and I promise I will come back to them all. But what about the damage that's been caused to Patrick Street and the City Centre in general over the shopping centres in the suburbs? We've learned nothing from that. If we're building out-of-town centres on a larger scale, we should know it doesn't work and it makes shells out of cities. I came up to Cork from Mallow at the weekend, did some little island retail park, then Mahon Point, then had to go down to town for one shop. I thought to myself as I walked down the street, what has happened to our city? There's nothing left. It's grotty. And to top it all, there's a crazy charge for parking in Merchant's Key. My hand point was jammed. And I can see why. I don't know what the answer is. And as much as I'd love a Kildare village type centre, it's not going to help our dying city centre. And that's a widespread view, I would have to say. I would have to absolutely have to say that. 1-8-96-96-96. Oh, now I love crime novels. I love crime investigation stories. And there's a new—it's the first in, a, in in a series of books on the Cadaver Crime Unit. I'm joined by T Harrogate, who is the author. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. This is a lifetime ambition of yours. To write a, a, a book, to write some stories. Where did it come from?
15: Um, I'm actually quite sure. I love of dogs for the start. Yeah. I'm putting the dog dogs ideas together, and because I love writing, and it doesn't it's not just crime I write. I write. I've a children's book coming out next year, hopefully as well. Yeah. So it's, it. Uh, but I do love writing crime. Oh, but Oh I started when I was 16 but I never actually did anything with the books it was actually my husband encouraged me one day he said instead of just writing them why don't you do something with them yeah.
6: the stories are about two uh, cadaver dogs called Oreo and Trooper and they're trained to find bodies in unusual places and they and their handlers are are the team in your
15: book yes yes and um, the Oreo is in Newfoundland and Trooper is a German Shepherd. And as, as, as people sh- might know, I don't know if everyone would know, Newfoundlands are great swimmers.
9: Yeah.
15: And they're tra- they're, they are actually originally trained to swim. Yeah. So that's the reason I brought that into that to kind of give the idea of, about the Newfoundlands. And, and New, uh, German Shepherds are, are often used as police training dogs as yeah. well.
6: Yeah. your plan is to have a series of these. Um, how 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 is the first one going down?
15: Well, it's only just come out, so I'm trying to wait to see how it goes. Now I have the second one written, written already. I am um, so I'm just waiting to see how this one goes before I put the second one to the company that is public publicising them.
6: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, each case involves the dogs. Obviously, investigating the discovery of a body, and then you take them take through the story to try to figure out who 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 killed this person. What are the international like? It's a very complex plot, but laid out very simply.
15: Yes, yes, and that's what I try to do. And plus, what I'm putting into the books as well is because I'm actually originally from the UK, yeah. So I'm actually putting into ideas a kind of. Places in the UK, so each story is set in a different area of the UK, and putting in the say the scenery and stuff around those pieces of the UK as well.
6: Mm. And and you challenge your reader to guess before the end. Yes, mm. I, yes. I, I And so wrong far,
15: I've, I, I you know, <laughs> Well, so far I've had three people that have read book and they all said they got it wrong. <laughs> so. We, yeah, so, and very that's good, what I wanted. I wanted them to Yeah. That's it, what I wanted. I wanted people to kinda see could they guess before the end. Right.
6: Where can people get the book?
15: They can get it on Amazon. They can get it from Barnes and Noble, Austin McCauley's and Waterstones.
6: Okay, and it's called Cadaver Crime Unit, uh, and uh, Death's Door is the is the title of the, of the first book. Thank you very much, T. Harrigan, for being with us. And that. that That's the first of a series of books. And what's great about them is they're written for they're the kind of an adult stroke children's book, and that I think children will just as just enjoy them just as much as that's, as adults. So that that's, that 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 was the plan, I think. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. just on that exam question that we were talking about earlier on on the leaving search home ec question which said discuss how colour can be used to flatter body size and shape and people a lot of people, not everybody but a lot of people open arms about it now some were suggesting that it is for students who would have a, a lean towards fashion and, and fashion design and have an idea that, about that as maybe as a career, which you could see some, some justification for that. But caller says, PJ, when I saw the question, straight away I was thinking, what about all those candidates who not only have an eating disorder, but also those who perhaps have a brother or sister or maybe a parent who have an eating disorder? It's a very hard road to be on and a very hard road back. But perhaps I don't blame the person writing the paper. In this day and age, shouldn't they screen the questions? If you can make a way around something that will affect someone badly, then why not just avoid putting it there? Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now this is a really cool idea. Do you know the way you bring paint to the dump? tins of that sort of a half tin of that and a third tin of the other and they've been sitting in the shed forever and they're just taking up space and you want rid of them and they're not empty and you don't really know what to do with them and you can bring them out to the dump and, and they deal with them and take them off and they have a little place you put them into and all that. What happens to that paint? Well, we love paint is a new brand that's just been launched, that's made of that exact paint that comes from the dumped tins around the city and county. Colm O'Connor. Colum, good morning to
1: you. If you, Jeff. a great description, and <laughs> thanks very much for having us. Well, you know, I, I brought enough
6: tins out to that place over the years, and I often wonder what happened to them. Did they just wash out the tins with proper cleaning facility, facilities oh, yeah. and dump the
1: paint? What happens to the paint? What happened with the paint up to right now, what happened to the paint was that 190 tonne of paint was brought to civic emergency sites in Cork County and City over a year. And 60% of that paint that we use was water-based. That water-based paint was then taken to Germany and incinerated at huge costs both to our local uh, county councils and the city councils, and they were obviously also to our environment. So nice. that's really what happened
6: Right, so it used to get literally taken off to Germany and disposed of there.
1: Yes, and incinerated by them at a huge cost to the local authorities. So um, what's Real Love Paint about? So what Relove Love Paint is, I suppose, really Real Love Paint is about um, we, uh, Carcote Council and City Council, uh, joined together and follow a collaboration between ourselves, um, I already do hello here in Newmarket, yeah. also Cycle Sense in Skiverine and in CE in Farrand-Ferris were the three pillars that they put in place. So we go to local city community sites now. We collect the paint that's there, the water-based paint that's there. We then um, bring it back um, to our um, workshops, and we go through a filtering, mixing, and colouring process. So we put them back in buckets, and we brand them with the Reload paint, and we sell them at 15 euros for 5 litres only. Crazy. And it, this is an emulsion paint that can be used inside any house. Um, so it's basically recycled paint. But we are we are really saying that it's a very, very high quality product at a low price.
6: Talk to me a little bit about the process. Because I take my tin of paint that's out in the shed, with, with, with however long, and it's gunk at the bottom of the tin. Yes, and I put it into the civic community site. And let's imagine it's water based. I take this gunk that's in the bottom of the tin, <laughs> gone half hard, with bits of my old brush floating around inside in it. What do yes. you do? What do? you, well, you get that tin to paint. What do you do?
1: No, first of all, we can't take every single tin obviously, yes. because if the paint, like it's kind of gone off, it's gone past. It's kind of we'll say a best want a better word sell by date. I suppose. Well, let's you imagine
6: know? it's one you can use then.
1: Yeah, so if we do so, then what we do is we bring it back to our workshop. In our workshop here in ird Do Hello in the Market, we have a kind of a filtering process. So we take all them bits and that gunk, as you say, out of it, and then it flow through filters, mm. and then it comes through the paint, right? So then we, we go through that with several different colours, and that paint is then mixed. So normally we'd have different colours here and batches or whatever of paint that we remix in together. We didn't filter it again, and a second filtration, and it goes into the buckets and it's ready for reuse in that stage. Now, I know i probably that's a really simplistic way of looking at it, sure. but it's it's basically for everyone's understanding. That's exactly sure. what it is. Do you know what I mean? It,
6: this is. How, can you mind telling me, Colomo, how, how no one thought of this before?
1: Well, I suppose really it's late. No, in fairness, it's done seemingly all over Europe, and this is a common practice over in Europe. Over several different years, like, but I suppose it, they took it on board and through Mary Walsh and Cork City Council and Michelle Green and Cork County Council, they kind of went out and looked for three social enterprises, um, which they found in the three pillars, which say: West Cork, North Cork and in the city, you know. Yeah. Um, and I suppose really they came to us and they kind of collaborated with us. We um, then, of course, we were delighted to get involved because I think, PJ, what people see um, with the whole thing is, you know, People see that, um, you know, getting involved in the circular economy and getting involved in environmental process costs a lot of money, normally. You know what I mean? And we're all talking about the cost of this and the cost of that. But no, here's a product that's very high quality, that you can afford, and it makes a difference for you. It can make a difference to your environment, and it's also affordable for you to do so.
6: Right. And it's an emulsion paint, so it can go on a wall or it can go on a ceiling.
1: Yeah. Now, what we've done is, I've actually done it in my own house, and I thought it was brilliant because I'd say here in IRD they were all said they were listening to me every day about this great product that we have, so I kinda of had to bite the bullet and paint and paint my own house. I found it brilliant. But what Cockroach House have done at the moment is um that they have given us um we have agreed with them that um we can give out free paint. So we're gonna give out free paint to, to local communities. For example, here in Norcock we would have had community halls you know, like small GA clubs and things like that, who might have a dressing room to paint or might have a, an office to paint inside and we we'll say for preschool or things like that now, you know. Mm. And we, we, they've agreed with us that we give out so much free paint. But what we want in return is we want um, your feedback. And, you know, a, a good idea is if it works well, we want to hear all about it. If it doesn't, we want to hear about it as well to make sure that we can rectify it. But look, so far, it's been a brilliant product. It's worked for a lot of people. And we have sales are growing here and you know it, it's it's a good thing. Yeah,
6: where can if if I wanted to buy some, where would I go?
1: Well, where you could go, obviously, we have in what we can say is in the city you can go to Farnham Service in in Tihelvet, in West Cork you can go to Cycle Sense um in Skibberine, and here in Cork you can go to IRG Duhallow. So, or we have a couple of social enterprises here in our, in in, in IRT <clears throat> and the one that's actually involved in this is our award-winning um, furniture revamp. Um, section so I already fund to revamp have a little retail area here on our campus in Newmarket right. and it's for sale. They are at fifteen euros for Correct. a five litre tin.
6: Now the painter in my house is is the queen <laughs> bee, um, <laughs> and what she'd always be looking for is how much will one bucket of this cover? How many? How m- will, I, will I get a room done out of a bucket? Will I get a whatever?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose the difference with that, like, is you know. Sometimes you know yourself, and i like I suppose everyone has their own painter and everyone else. <laughs> but like first of all, I suppose if you're really changing the color of the room, I suppose you're going to use more coats. You know what I mean? Yes. Um. But you know, normally it's around 10 square square um, yards for like um a liter of paint. Okay. You know what I mean? For one, for like a single coat. Times. But I mean, you might have to give it two or three coats. But what I would say about it is that like five liter buckets in the average room, like from would, a book, would be more than enough to do Absolutely. it, like even change your colour, you know what I mean?
6: Absolutely.
1: So, I mean, it's very, and like, I, mean, I think that the real thing we want to drive home here is that, you know, that, look, this can make a difference to the economy and it, it can make a difference to the sector and it can make a difference to your environment and it's affordable to do it. We're always talking about it being unaffordable and people can't get involved in environmental values, but this year is a great opportunity to do it at a very low cost. And it makes sense to use it, like, you know?
6: It's a clever idea, and I'm delighted to bring you on the opinion line to talk about it. Colm O'Connor from IRD, do hello. Relove, R E L O V E, Relove Paint. Uh, 15 euro for five litre containers of the stuff that the paint that you bring to the dump, or to give it its proper name now, the Civic Amenity, and you bring the paint out, water based paint, they take it away. If it's usable, they recycle it and they recolour it and whatever, and they sell it in five litre drums at 15 euro a pop at IRD Duhallow and a bunch of other. Now, that, that is a cr- brilliant idea. Love that idea. Absolutely love that idea. Actually the the the, the 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 jump as it'll always be known. Have you seen the, the teddy bears just look brilliant lately? Um they the, the, we were down for a walk in the Tamora Valley Park a couple of weeks ago with the dogs and we you come around the back now and they even have a sign for the the teddy bear walk, and it's just brilliant. And I know Finbar, uh, Mr. Peak Cap Finbar and the crew out there work hard all year round, and coming into the summertime, and uh, the, when they the dry up in the sun, the, the teddy bears look brilliant. Um, and it, it, you know what? It's worth a trip out to the park, to the dump, to the I Aministad, mean, just to look at the teddy bears. They're fabulous. And you know what brings children around on the walk? Around Tramore Valley Park, uh, and Brilliant. and just as you're getting back to that part, there the kids are getting tired and bored. So the the teddy bears are oh, they brilliant? I know I keep going on about it, I'm going on about it for years. I love it, and whoever's idea it was in the first place deserves a medal. The
3: two grand minute. Listen to play at 7:40 and 8:40 every day answer 10 questions to claim all that cash stacking up the cash. Cash.
5: cash the two grand minute with foodie and more blackpool douglas or eden hall from milestone birthdays to graduations and more tasty fresh asian food at foodie and more
3: casey and ross in the morning
5: on cork's 96
14: fm
3: the lines are live. And we're ready to
5: talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96,
3: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
5: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The Opinion Line
6: with PJ Coogan.
5: On Cork's 96FM.
6: So we don't talk much about Brexit or any of that stuff on the programme these days. If you're interested in something to do with it and you want to bring it up, that's all very Fine, but I'm just looking at BBC News here this morning, and there's Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland. Their first minister up there, and she's launching a, another fresh campaign for Scottish independence, and looking for <clears throat> another referendum. Do you remember that referendum a few years ago about Scottish independence? And now that Brexit has happened, and and they are gone from the European Union and all of that. Put all, all of that has brought upon us scotland would probably rejoin the eu if they left the uk that's anyone who's been to scotland or goes back and forward to scotland would tell you that that a lot of scottish people would actually love to rejoin the eu Uh, can you imagine that and the crack that it caused if scotland declared its independence from the united kingdom and actually went and rejoined the eu wouldn't that be fun 0818 is the number the text or whatsapp or for your voicemail voice messages is 083 96 a quick reminder of this again because they've announced it <coughs> at short notice and they want to get the message out there uh, fuss uh, the uh, parents and the and the children looking for better services for those with a, a disability we've covered their two fuss marches and fuss protests they're having another one Uh, And this is arranged at short notice for tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow Wednesday afternoon at 4.30. They're gathering at the City Hall. Uh, The Taoiseach is at a meeting there tomorrow afternoon and they will be handing him a letter outlining uh, the plight of children in his constituency. Now, they were told by his office that he can't meet them in Cork and were told to try Dublin But, like, yeah, that's grand. Like, we can just go and get a busload of parents of children with disabilities and carers and get them all up to Dublin to hand out a letter to the Taoiseach. Well, that's not going to be able to happen. So they're going to try and meet him tomorrow at City Hall around half past four. If you're interested in going along to that, and if you're following what they do. 0818 96 96 96. Now, coming up in a while, if you're a blood donor, you'll be interested in knowing that today is World Blood Donor Day. But first of all, have you got a holiday booked yet? Some of what's going on in Ireland looks to be insanely expensive. Uh, and a lot of overseas stuff is already booked out. But let's look at both of those with uh, Sarah Slatterby. Uh, how are you doing, Sarah? Um, Hi, Jay, how are you? From the travel Now, if you're to look at social media and, and look at, anecdotally at least, it is insanely expensive to get a holiday in Ireland this year, but you found some deals.
9: Yeah I think it, it's it's like everything I suppose it's it's where you look and also the dates you want to go um, and I think sometimes Sunday nights can be a really good one particularly if you're just looking for an overnight escape you'll often find that um, a Sunday night's day is great and, it's, and if you're short on leave it means you only have to take the Monday off you know as opposed to going on a Tuesday back a Wednesday or something like that. So they always look at Sundays that they're usually a good um, place to start and the Tulfaris Hotel in Wicklow there, I stayed in it myself, they do a Sunday night um, sleepover and they include a breakfast, a four course evening meal, bottle of wine with dinner, um, a glass of Prosecco on arrival and a late checkout at one o'clock. And like this weekend, this Sunday, it's 114 per person and it's the same on the 10th of July. It kind of depends on dates. Some days it could be 124, 134. But like for, for food, wine, you don't have to worry about taxis or any of that, you know, yeah. for an overnight escape. It's, it's a really good deal. Um, and it's a lovely spot. You can, you know, cycle the Greenway and go to Rusper House and Blessington Lakes and things
6: yeah. there. What about getting the family away for a couple of days, say to the west of Ireland, to Sligo maybe?
9: Yeah, um, I, I, uh, Sligo, uh, Mayo, you know, and and the Midlands tend to be a lot better value than the likes of Galway or Clare or, or um, Kerry in or Cork for that matter. Um, in the summertime, sometimes if you go a little bit um, uh, a little bit further, you, you might get a good deal. And I'm just back from the Clayton Hotel in Sligo, and they what I like about the, that hotel is they've big family rooms, the family suites that sleep five. Um, and there's lots of them. So sometimes it's harder to get um, availability for large families. So you look for a family of four. Uh, prices for a three night stay there is £4.99. And for a family of five, it's 6 99 in a two bedroom suite. And that's based on the 26th of June. We've got €50 Euros more there on the 7th of August. Um, that includes breakfast, at the kids club, a leisure centre, lots going on, and loads to do in Sligo. Just back, absolutely loved it.
6: Yeah, bit of research required, and and a lot of people saying that. Look, the headline prices we're seeing for hotels are ridiculous, but there's there's value out there if you go looking for it. You need to be prepared to to look so, yeah. and spend some time.
9: A lot of family, a lot of hotels as well have like deals on their own website with like family breaks, two and three night stays. You know, so sometimes it's it's important to click on the offer section and check that. Um, and check the likes of Super Value Getaway Breaks, Mini Breaks, different sites who, who will amalgamate all different deals. I obviously have them on my own website as well. Um, but, you know, so r- rather than sometimes it can, you can spend hours checking loads of different hotels and it can be very time consuming. But lots of people make it easy for you and um, amalgamate and to the together. to uh, it.
6: The travelexpert.ie is where you've got loads of yeah, stuff. absolutely. Now, getting away. Now, thankfully, and I, I've said this repeatedly, I'm so thankful I booked everything uh, last October when we realized we might be able to fly this summer because I'm done and dusted, tickety-boo. But there's a huge rush on to get away.
9: Yeah, there there really is. And and it's really surprising the next few weeks because mid-June would usually be a time where you would get last-minute deals, but the prices are really high at the moment and they're very high up into early July as well. But they do come down late July and they're also very good value late August. I find that generally when people are booking holidays, they book like the first two weeks of the month, the last two weeks of the month. They don't tend to book like the last few days in one month, the first few days. You know, it's just, I suppose it's just in your head. You know, you go and you plan your days and work. And, I
6: learned that trick um, years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Yeah, and it just it does work, you know, does, because yeah. like if you look at when you look at flights, like there's flights from Cork to Faro there, the twenty to the Algarve, the 26th of July for 211 with Aer Lingus from Cork, which is a very good return for a week. Um, flights to Salou in August was Ryanair 175 per person, whereas they would be about three or four hundred, probably actually four hundred earlier in July, you know. So things like that definitely watch out for, and really some good deals um, late August as well. Uh, that kind of twenty-seventh, twenty-sixth, twenty-seventh of August. Like yeah. that would be cheaper than going even say the first of September, you know, things like that.
6: Yeah, you've got a you've got one there, for example, late August Gran Canaria. Uh, yeah, Grand that's, Canaria. That's is incredible a, value.
9: Yeah, popular spot. The 28th of August from Cork again. Uh Reiner flights are 220. And there's a four-star hotel there, the Grand Canaria Princess. And it's an adult only hotel, so perfect for couples who so don't want any kids around. And um, they they sell it on a bed and breakfast basis. So with flights and breakfast, it's five eighty two per person, and it's a four star hotel. Or if you want to go all inclusive for all your meals, all your drinks, everything is included. You're looking at eight three five, including your flights. And, that, that, um,
6: that's a week a that's a week in Grand Canary in a four star hotel <laughs> for five hundred and eighty two quid bed and breakfast. Yeah.
9: And it's it's adult only, so it's a nice, it's a a good one for for couples or young people looking to get away.
6: Yeah, yeah, You've got stuff in Tuscany and in Croatia. Weekend breaks then, you know, people just want to get out at the end, just get away for for a weekend. you get got a beauty in Bordeaux.
9: Yeah, and the return, flights with Ryanair there from Cork on the 25th of August, and this is a weekend as well. Sometimes you'll see like Tuesday to Friday, but this is actually a weekend break. Um, And the flights are only 85 return um, and you can get a four-star hotel or apartments I just picked there. The Stay City Apartments are very popular. They're in the old town. So for a three-night break, you're looking at 2 95 per person. And that's the 25th of August. So like, it's really, really good value for, for summertime and do some wine tasting and Head yeah. for just just whatever you want to do, you
6: know. Yeah, there's one there as well, and I'm I'm just amazed at given the, the 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 talking point of the price of hotel accommodation in Ireland this this summer. And look, it is what it is, and whether it'll come down or not, I don't know. But I'm looking at this one in Tuscany, one of the most beautiful parts of the world, let alone of Italy, and you can well, you get a four star hotel for two hundred and fifty six quid.
9: Yeah, I know. Um, Tuscany is a great one, I think, as well, particularly this year with um the flights from Cork and Dublin to Pisa. So there's, there's just a there's a bigger selection. And go and listen, actually, interesting what you said at the start of this, how you booked like last year. A lot of people did that and they booked kind of places they know. They went the Lanzarotis and the Costa del Sol and all those kind of places, you know, they they sort of went in and they booked those dates. But they didn't kind of book, you know, the week in Tuscany or Croatia or places like that. So there's actually good value in airfares to some places that, not necessarily off the beaten track, but just that you may not necessarily think of or that would be traditionally more expensive to go to. Like the Ryanair flights to Tuscany are 150 euros Um, on the 25th of July return for a week. Uh, Erlingus flights to to Dubrovnik are 176 return for a week on the 24th of August. Like that's really good value. And I've paired them up with hotels there as well, um, as all these packages are on the website. But um, So you're looking at around kind of 700, 750 for a week in a four-star hotel with flights. And I included car hire in Tuscany as well. So like... It's just it, it those kind of holidays you would think would normally be more expensive, but actually because of our I suppose our preconditioner, what we were looking for or what we booked in advance, yeah. they're actually probably better value this year,
6: Wow. Wow. It, it, you know, there is an awful lot out there and it, and it, it is, uh, it, if you, if you have the time and the inclination to go looking, you, you'll certainly, even at home, you will, you will certainly save some money for yourself and get the family away for a break. And thank goodness we can do it again. Sarah Slattery, always good to speak with you. Sarah from the travel ie That's her website. I thought, oh, I just don't get it. Like, I mean, you know, you have a four star Hotel Da Vinci in Montecatini, in Tuscany, with bed and breakfast, right? Four star, six nights. Six nights per person. How much? 256 quid for six nights, right? You can go to Croatia, a place called Villa Patiera. It's a booth. Why not four-star hotel? Right? <laughs> for four, for how many? For, 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 for... A week, seven nights, right? 530 quid in the hotel. There's people trying to go to concerts in Dublin. I was listening to my buddy of mine talking about this last week. He's got tickets to go to the Eagles in Dublin later this month, and so looking forward to it because he's been a fan since he was a kid, and he wants to go to see the Eagles, and he got a present of it for Christmas, the tickets, and he's going to have to, either himself or his missus, are going to have to not have a drink, and drive down after the gig, because the staying in Dublin on the night of the Eagles concert, he's not getting much change out of eight hundred quid, and you can go to where you can go to flippin Tuscany for a week, bed and breakfast for half it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six, and while you're anywhere in the world on holidays. People who are listening to us anywhere in the world on holidays right now and you want some music by the pool are out on your sun deck. Well why not switch over to our online station The Back Garden Festival. It's back again this year with Harvey Norman and JBL streaming the biggest hits from all the summer's headline acts at the concerts up and down the country. It's on the app right now and active and streaming or you can go to 96fm.ie. Use it on your phone or tie it up to your big Bluetooth speaker and blast poolside away wherever you are. 0818969696. 96 96.
5: Ready to meet the Cork's 96FM street fleet. Heading
14: your way soon. Meet the Corks 96FM street fleet at the Cork Summer Show this Saturday and Sunday, June 18th and 19th at the showgrounds. There's loads happening for all the family,
1: including arts and crafts, cooking demos, play zones, live entertainment and lots more. Join the street fleet this Saturday and Sunday at the Cork Summer Show. Corks
6: 96FM. There's some news in uh, Boots, the pharmacy chain. They've just announced that they are freezing the price of more than 1,300 products. Uh, saying they want these products to remain affordable for customers in the middle of the present price surge. That'll be good. <clears throat> good for business and good for public relations too. Boots chemist, about 1,300 prices frozen uh, for as long as they can freeze them uh, to make it more affordable for people. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Today is World Blood Donor Day and it is the 18th birthday of twins Una and Eva Bryce from uh, Bishopstown. And their mum, Pamela, joins me. Hi, Pam.
16: Hi, PJ. How are you?
6: Good. Talk to me about twin transfusion syndrome, because I've never heard of it, but your girls have it.
16: Yeah, so it's a very rare condition that happens in identical twin pregnancies. So identical twins share one placenta, PJ, and... Sometimes a kind of unfortunate event happens. The placenta, I suppose it becomes diseased with this syndrome and the twins end up becoming a donor and a recipient. So the smaller twin um, ends up donating everything from the placenta to the bigger twin. I see. And so it can be fatal. Luckily for us, it happened late in the twin pregnancy. And right. so when the girls were born, they were very, very compromised. Um the smaller baby Una was born with a haemoglobin of about four, and she was very she was very close to death, right. and so she needed an immediate blood transfusion, and the bigger baby Eva was born um, in heart failure and verging on a stroke, so it has it compromises both babies really, and it's just an unfortunate thing that happens yeah. with the placenta in a, pres- a very small percentage of identical twin pregnancies. Right.
6: So, so so something goes wrong. Something goes wrong
16: with the placenta,
6: and instead of yeah. equally feeding the two babies with everything Both. they need, yeah. it it starts dividing and separating, and one gets more and one gets less. And
16: yeah, exactly.
6: Wow, and one yeah. daughter came out with far too much. By the looks of things here, yeah, far too much hundred. blood, and the other hadn't enough. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. That's an, so. that's and Robin
16: would have been about four yeah. when she was born and Eva's was about 22 and so Eva's Yay. blood was so thick PJ they couldn't actually get it to the lab to be tested you know God. back in the days of we were in the Ironville and they didn't they, they would send the samples out to CUH but Eva's blood was too thick like it literally couldn't even get wow. that far So what happened yeah. when they were born? So Uh, straight into the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit and straight under the amazing care of Dr Brendan Murphy at that time Mm. and the amazing, amazing staff
6: Heard so much about him Yeah,
16: he is, literally and the the staff in there You mean for everybody, you know, in the Urnville back in those days, 18 years ago from the wonderful cleaning and catering people who looked after all of us to the nurses, the doctors, the porters, everybody the care in there was superb and the Neonatal did a magic job Right. They they looked after my girls and they both came home. Wow. You know, we're very lucky. Yeah. Very, very lucky. And we know that.
6: Una had to and have uh, a few transfusions. Trans-
16: she did, yeah. So Una had an immediate transfusion after birth. And then um, that first week had a second transfusion. Mm. And then a couple of weeks later, needed a third transfusion, and I would say that that actually was the turning point for her. That right. was the one that she started to make her own red cells. She started to make her own right. good blood volume. Up right. to that, she was like a little white ghost. Started
6: to thrive and after that. You you had to, to have thrive. a transfusion as well, did you?
16: Yeah, unfortunately, I suppose, you know, the way sometimes things get a little bit hairy when you have a C-section, it was an emergency section because the girls came seven weeks premature and um, I, thankfully, was asleep, PJ, thankfully I had a general anaesthetic, so I wasn't part of the action, but I needed six six units of full red cells and... One of a thing called octoplas, and mm-hmm. I think it was really the octoplas was the, the saving thing. So subsequently, I've been diagnosed actually with a bleeding disorder, right. um, and I guess that that this event could have been managed differently if I had known you beforehand. Had known,
6: yeah, and and yeah, like it's obviously because of all of those things that happened when the twins were born and your own subsequent issues with you and and your your whole family now promote blood donation.
16: Absolutely. Do you know what? It's the one thing that's a kind of a human to human gift. Like you can't make blood in a lab. You can't make it in a factory. It needs to come from one human being to another. It's the ultimate gift really that the people of Ireland go out to blood donation clinics all around the country and the county. Uh, Winter nights, summer nights, uh, afternoons in Finn bars, you name it, there are people the unsung heroes, really, the yeah. unseen heroes of Ireland. We, we, we talk about
6: out. transplants and owner, donor organs and kidneys and livers and all these things and lungs and yeah. hearts. And they're all great. But this is, this is, if you like, living, breathing transplants
16: 24-7. It is, absolutely. And it's, it's not seen, you know what I mean? It, you're right. Like if I gave somebody a kidney, I, I'd probably be on the front of the examiner. But, I mean, there are people who go out literally every three months routinely and go down and give their pint of blood, and they've been doing it for years. It's kind of humbling, actually, when you go to... I've been to a couple of the donor awards dinners, Mm. and, you know, there are people there who are on their 50th donation, their 100th donation, Mm -hmm. people who are donating platelets, and they're up in the 200s. It's just extraordinary. Mm -hmm. These are the men and the women of Ireland who are doing this selfless task, With you know nobody nobody's paid for it. It's pure volunteerism. It's the best in people. You get tea and
6: biscuits. That's about it. That's that's what you get. That's it. And and a chat. And it's a lovely place. I I haven't gone for years now because I did the plasma program in the early days, and when they were doing that. But for some reason, do it again. Well, the thing is, I I, 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 afterwards I wanted to go back to give regular blood, and, and I'm 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 O negative. So they need my they need my blood and for some, they need reason, you. For some yeah. reason they weren't inclined to take it for a while I must go back and try it again I keep saying a will cuz it, it, it's so important to be able to do but tomorrow is their 18th birthday and they'll today mark, is their 18th oh, birthday and they make it's, them, it,
16: and it's world blood donor yeah. day which is kind of coincidental and that yeah. they were born on world donor day
6: and they'll 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 celebrate their birthday Are they all given blood
16: so that that's the hope. Well, Una obviously and I can't give blood because once you've had transfusion you can't Is that give. still the case, Pam? That's still the case. And I think that'll be the case for life probably. Right. Um so Brendan, who's my husband and Eva will go to Finbars this afternoon. I mean, it's been a long held dream of Eva's uh, on my eighteenth birthday I'm going to go and donate blood. I I'm going to replace the blood for that Una got because well those people gave me my twin. Mm-hmm. I mean, the girls have known their story, their birth story, for a very long time. Sure, sure. And uh, Eva's Eva's amazing. She's kind. She's caring. She's compassionate. And like this is the this is the gift that she wants to give her twin on their eighteenth birthday. What a gift! Um, she's had a lot of health challenges in the intervening years as well herself. So it's all the more impressive, really. She's stoic and she's brave and in, in sort of. Yeah. huge ways. She's had a lot of interactions with Crumlin and with sort of the health services. So right. this is a big thing and hopefully it'll be just something she does for the rest of her life. Yeah. Uh, Brendan is a regular donor as well and yeah. PJ, really, I tell you, this this is the kind of, you know, cork thing of, there's always a sort of funny angle. Go on. My sister is actually a haematologist. Get off. And <laughs> yeah, so she'd be one of the biggest users of the blood bank and the blood services uh, and I always say I bet you I got a bleeding disorder because you decided to do that as your career. But I'm only <laughs> glad you didn't do some other aspect of medicine and then I got something awful. <laughs>
6: uh, I, I believe yeah. there will be cake today.
16: Should there should always be a bit of cake. You know yourself.
6: <laughs> any excuse for um, cake? Pam.
16: Any my, excuse for cake?
6: My best to Una and to Eva and to Brendan and to the whole family. Um, and like you say, it's the most simple yet incredible gift we can Go from one human being to another.
16: And PJ, I owe my life to those donors. My daughter owes her life to the donors. I mean, we can never forget that. But we can't forget the crew in Finbars, the incredible work that they do every day. Yeah, they're brilliant. And I suppose the biggest shout out and the biggest thank you goes to the donors. Thank you from the bottom of my heart.
6: Yeah, and you know what I'll do? I'll make a promise to you um, because I'm so impressed by, by your story here. And I said to you that I, I did years ago. They had a plasma program where they would take a pint of plasma rather than a pint of blood. Yeah, <clears throat> and I did it for a while, and then I sort of I fell away from it because it was just busy. And I said, I go back and say, I have O negative blood, and at the time they weren't able to take it from me, but I'm going to try again.
16: Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. We're going to
6: try again. That's All fantastic. Right. Cheers Pam. Absolutely take,
16: brilliant. Thanks so much. Take bye. Bye
6: bye. And I don't know whether that is the case. Um, may, maybe someone who was on the, the plasma program and went back to regular blood donations. Can you do that because at the time they told me I couldn't for a while at least. So, I don't know. We'll find out for sure. We we'll find I'll, I'll check that I will check that out myself and come back and see. 0818 96, 96, 96 Still some stuff coming in. On trains and trains, later night trains to East Cork in particular. But first I want to do this your last chance to get in on this and like I say if you can't get this question right then you should you should you even be allowed to go to an Elton John gig. But we've a ticket every day, a pair of tickets every day this week for Elton John's Global Farewell Yellow Brick Road Tour coming to Park Equiv Friday, july the first. Tickets still out there at Ticketmaster.ie but I have a pair every day this week and then on Friday we'll take one of our daily winners and upgrade you and you'll head along to Oberlane Cork's lively gastro pub in the heart of the city, and they'll feed you there pre concert uh, to people. So, Candle in the Breeze or Candle in the Wind? Which is the correct title of the Elton John song? Candle in the Breeze or Candle in the Wind? Text me the correct answer and your name to 083 396 96, 96. Has anybody gotten it wrong yet? No? No. No one's gotten it wrong yet. I was thinking that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now.
5: 0818 96, 96, 96.
3: On Courts 96 FM.
6: Yeah, I'm listening to caller, Helen. Helen was on there just after 10, explaining about the late train to Middleton. Helen was saying that she comes to a show in town at the weekend and... Showish finishes at maybe 10 o'clock. Last train home, quarter past 10. So she has to get the bus at 11. I agree totally with her. I miss the end of so many shows or am the first to leave a night out with my friends because of this problem. Once I had to take a taxi and it cost a fortune. We're told to use public transport because it helps the environment and we do our part as best we can. But public transport isn't allowing us to do this. It's a crazy time for the last train, which goes at quarter past ten every night, except Sunday, when it's quarter past eight. Wow, hope this will be taken more seriously. That's from Christine. That's certainly a bigger issue. We've poked a bit of a nerve there this morning with the trains to East Cork. Then, yes, Jane Cregan was on from Irish Rail and all the enhanced services and more frequency by day from the middle of July, which is all great. But when the last train to Middleton is at quarter past ten every night of the week, bar Sunday when it's quarter past eight, that's hardly, that's hardly enough in 2022 when are trying to encourage people to use public transport. It's one we'll keep an eye on. And when there are more developments announced, we'll be pushing to see can we get more trains out of Cork, late, down to East Cork. 0818 96, 96 96. I was going through the list this morning of the stuff that is available at MTU for adult and continuing education. And I was reading through this prospectus, Professor Irene Sheridan, and I thought, that's the prospectus for the whole college. No, that's the prospectus for the list of adult courses. You have a phenomenal list of courses. Good morning
17: good morning thank you yes there is a very wide range of provision and it isn't new i mean the uh, university in its previous guys cit or as the regional technical college really that was our reason for being was supporting skills development for uh, emerging industry within the region and we have taken that mission very seriously so our Part time provision is extensive in terms of the disciplines and indeed the levels that are offered uh, mm. in various flexible modes.
6: You can do a full degree by night, which is incredible. And lots of them. Yes.
17: Yeah, lots of them, full degrees at both uh, bachelor level and indeed master's level. So a lot of people who already have degrees, have considerable experience in the workplace, uh, seek to come back to upskill and to undertake again in a a step by step provision that's appropriate for their particular busy lives are able to upskill to a master's level Mm. or alternatively people who have gone out to work directly from school um, have the opportunity, having gained some experience, to come into the university to consider what steps they might take to advance their career And we have a very well-developed, I mean, without a doubt, the best in Ireland developed uh, system for the recognition of prior learning. So we work to recognise the learning they've gained and build that into a programme. Yeah,
6: because that's a, a fascinating field in itself, Irene, because you have lots of people doing jobs very experienced in their jobs in all different kind of industry but they come from a different time as it were so they left school started small literally went in sweeping the floor and and emptying the bins and now they're at a senior level in whatever job they're at but if they had to compete for their own job they wouldn't get it because they don't have a qualification there's lots of those people out there you can help them to get a qualification even though they don't have an academic background
17: Oh, absolutely. And look, we really recognize it's very close to my heart. We recognize that learning happens everywhere. And as much as it happens in the classroom, it happens in work and indeed in all walks of life. So it's really important to us. And we work very closely. My my, my unit is dedicated to our relationships with employers and with industry and with different organizations. So we work very closely with the employers to understand the learning that has been gained in the workplace domain and to apply credit to it so that it facilitates either entry onto a program or exemption from part of a programme. And we we really know that, look at at the coalface within those workplaces, technologies are changing. There are global challenges that are impacting on the kind of work that organizations do. And quite often, you know, they're more up to date and aware of what's coming down the horizon for that business, for that discipline. So every program we have either in our part-time or full-time prospectus is really well informed by conversations with employers and groups of employers to make sure that it's relevant it's current and it's right up to the moment for current skill needs and emerging skill needs.
6: Yeah. Like for people who would be at a particular point in their chosen career, Well, again, whatever it is, and they realise, well, if I'm going to go forward or their bosses have said, to them, look, I want to take you to the next level in your career, but you don't actually have a qualification. You can, you can provide that qualification through MTU with credit for what they've done in their lives already.
17: Absolutely. And remember, you don't always need a full award, quite yes. often a small special purpose award or micro credential in a particular new discipline yes, or yes. area will help to set you up for the next step. So look at our part-time provision across the university as a whole, um, across all six of our campuses, extends to around 200 different programs. Some of them are short special purpose programs. Some of them are are longer, as you say, full degrees. But what I'd also like to point out is with the government springboard initiative, we have 30 courses, over a thousand places on 30 courses, which are either fully funded or 90% funded for the coming academic year. And again, Springboard isn't new, it's been around. I think we've been doing this for over 10 years. All of the programmes in that 30 uh, courses that are chosen are very specifically aimed at the needs of the region.
6: Now, how can one apply uh, for all these courses?
17: So the important thing, I think, just to point out today, because I think particularly for us, we really take to heart that we in, in Cork and Kerry in the, in the southwest region, we should take advantage of these training opportunities. So we'd like to remind everybody that springboardcourses.ie. So the portal is springboardcourses.ie. It's it's very easy to remember. And that's where you go for all of the courses all over the country. So you can put in your particular discipline and search for programs, or you can put in your particular high education provider and search for programs. So that's one place to go to to access those programs. And there's very clear information there about the eligibility criteria, both the um, academic and other eligibility criteria in terms of those funded applications. And for everything else, for the rest of the 200 programs, our MTU website, and as you say, the part-time prospectus is is there with lots of information on each program, the time frame, the costs, the content, and so on.
6: Is there financial support available for people wanting to upskill and do stuff?
17: So there are different mechanisms. I mean, the springboard provision is probably the most clear in terms of financial support the, the the tuition fees are paid or 90% paid depending on your own particular uh, situation. In terms sure. of other uh, support back back to education and different things like that, that's very individual in sure. terms of the, the individual. But again, in the eligibility criteria is pretty clear. Sure.
6: And, and lastly, like, would you have access to the same college facilities as everybody else does when you're studying one of these courses?
17: So again, the the part time prospectus will give you clear information about the access service, disability support service, the library, and um, the various the student support, the alumni association, and the different facilities that are available to people. Now, it, it's not funded in exactly the same way as full time provision, so there are some differences, but a lot of the support systems um, are are there and are available.
6: Okay, is Professor Sheehan, thank you very much. As Professor Irene Sheehan, head of MTU's extended. Campus. Let's bring in Sharifa, I hope the name's right, Sharifa Sheehan. Hi, Sharifa, you've just done a degree through a part-time, a part-time method. Uh, good morning.
4: Good morning, how are you? Um, yeah, I just finished up, so in May now of this year, I just finished my Honours Bachelor's degree in Human Resource Management through the part-time course at MTU.
6: Congratulations on that. How, how, did, that, how did you do it? How did you get involved in it? How did you find out about it?
4: Yeah, so I suppose, look, my journey started back in 2018. Um, At the time, I suppose I had a small child at home and full-time education just wasn't an option for me. Um, Now, I had a family member who'd recently gone through um, a part-time course with MTU and I thought it'd be the most suitable option and I suppose that's when I began my course and I haven't looked back
6: since. So, did you do it full-time or did you do it part-time? Do you work with parenting or work or whatever?
4: Yeah, I I studied part-time while working full-time. Um... Now what I see is it's absolutely no easy feat, Um, it's quite demanding um, and it it does require a lot of discipline to be able to, you know, I suppose juggle everything um, at the same time. But um, the benefits absolutely outweigh the challenges of studying part-time and I suppose what it does offer you is a unique opportunity to grow your career in tandem with your studies, which is exactly what I did.
6: Right, and human resource management and now you have a degree in that which you mightn't have had in... in, uh, you know, you wouldn't have been able to get other other than through a, a, a system like this?
4: Absolutely not. No, I suppose, look, uh, full-time education just wasn't an option for me at the time. Um, you know, it's just it wasn't viable for myself and my family. Um, but I suppose, you know, studying part-time gave me the opportunity to, to grow my career um, and to, to get an education for myself. Um, okay. So, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant.
6: We look. Here, we wish you uh, continued success in that uh, chosen career. Thanks very much, Sharifa Sheehan, who did her degree through the part-time system, the part-time schemes at uh, MTU, and they have a massive list of 200 courses, well worth a look. Can I recommend that you watch something before I do this last bit of business? I recommend that you watch a program that was broadcast last night. Uh, it should be on the RTE player about Charlie Board. Um, called Loud and Clear uh, it's wonderful and he is wonderful and it's so tragic what he's been afflicted with this horrible sadistic bugger of an illness called motor neuron disease and I watched it last night and I don't mind telling you there were times when I just cried like a baby uh, at the, the plight in which this wonderful, wonderful guy, this giant of our profession yeah, where he finds himself. Well, worth a watch if, you, if you're looking for something to watch tonight. We got this yesterday after we were talking about ADHD. I may not get all of this done, but I'll do as much as I can of it. Thank you and Martin, that was Martin from ADHD Island for bringing ADHD to the attention of the public. As a country, we are way behind in acknowledging, understanding, supporting and diagnosing this. Resources and knowledge in the front line dealing with it are so scant. ADHD inhibits executive functions, focus, initiation, self-monitoring, working memory, effort regulation, emotion regulation, planning, prioritizing, organizing. But what people don't know is it doesn't necessarily exhibit as hyperactivity. Many people have inattentive ADHD. That presents as being daydreamy and sluggish and maybe very tired, maybe overwhelmed from battling executive challenges, which are huge. That the dreamy child who stares out the window and seems scatty or disorganised, that the people and their teachers and their parents might label them as lazy. They do try their hardest, but they have very many internal struggles. Another thing that they struggle with is regulating attention and focus. Some people think, oh, they can't have ADHD, as they can pay attention when they want to, and they're academically bright. But this is misinformation. ADHD, you can hyperfocus when a topic is of huge interest. That can be your superpower. They can be and often are strong academically. But academic ability and executive function are different things. It's executive function which is the biggest predictor of future success, not academic activity. Girls and adults also have this as much as 10-year-old boys, but they mask their symptoms. They're very good at this. They're notoriously underdiagnosed or even ignored. Undiagnosed ADHD can then present in later life or in teenage years as symptoms like depression, addiction, self-harm. Too many things in this country are only dealt with downstream when they're a huge problem and then they're dealt with incorrectly. One need only look at the many Irish Facebook ADHD pages and see how many parents and children are literally crying out for help, looking to get diagnosis, resources and understanding and they're meeting closed doors again and again and again. Parents who say they're seven or eight year old are depressed, even suicidal. Worst thing about this is it's all very treatable. So many need help, they just want to better their own circumstances. Again, it's a lack of resources. Schools are fighting to keep the few SNAs they have, and they're placed in an ideal position to provide the important in-school scaffolding, this is SNAs, that help many children reach their potential and make their best of their lives. There's more to this, but I'll just finish up with it. Many ADHD people, ADHD people, are the entrepreneurs, the creators, the diverse thinkers of this world. Many of them are in very high places. They are greatly needed. They have so much to contribute. It has positives, but only if it's identified and found and accommodated. It's a condition that can make your life go either way. It's very well thought out Love to talk to that person, uh, maybe about their own experience and, and where they come to this particular set of views that they sent to us. But thank you so much for it. Whoever you are, I don't have your name at this point. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Tina? Hello? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Go, I'm go. good. Candle in the what? In the wind. Candle in the wind. So, like I said, if you, if you couldn't get that one, you probably shouldn't be left go to an Elton John concert.
12: I, <laughs> well, I tried now as well yesterday, to be fair.
6: Have you ever seen him before?
12: No, I haven't, and it was something I always wanted to go to. But like that now, Peter, I was just kind of caught up, and oh, no, I can't wait now. Like I really can't. Who will you bring? Um, my partner, Paul.
6: All right. Well, listen, you're off. So yeah, you're off on the first of July to see him, uh, thanks to Aiken Promotions, Woo-woo! and and <laughs> you might even be taking Paul out for dinner as well because the oh. every every daily winner goes into a draw for Sober Lane. Brilliant! He'd be foiled
1: rotten. He'd be brilliant. All right, PJ. Thanks a million.
6: Look after yourself. Brilliant. Cheers, I'm new. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 0818 969696. 96 96. That's it. The program edited by Fiona Corkin, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We shall see you tomorrow, just after nine.
5: Oldies and Irish on Corks 96 FM is the Big Sunday Show on your radio. Big 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 show 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 radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing
7: it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96
9: FM.